Well, let's go ahead and open up our Bibles. If you uh, don't own a Bible, we have Bibles under these um, chairs. Or if you have it on your phone, you can power up that Bible app. It's going to be page 1093 if you're using one of our hardback Bibles. As we're continuing our series through the book of Revelation. We're in chapter 7 this morning. Last week, we were just hearing about just the turbulent times uh, that the world is going through and will be going through. We looked at uh, the wars and the injustices and the persecutions that, that even believers uh, will see. And uh, it kind of feels like the world, as we've been reading through Revelation, is just kind of going crazy. It's like having a, a snow globe and turning that globe upside down and shaking it and all of those flakes coming flying around. It could feel like that is what is going on in the world where nothing really seems to be or feel uh, secure anymore. Maybe we feel that way within our own lives. We feel shaken, where a lot of things that we thought were permanent has been flying around, and we're just not sure how our lives will turn out. Even the good things that we have right now in our lives. Maybe we sense a little anxiety because we're, we're not sure how long those good things will last or if, or if it will be suddenly taken away. That's what a one young college student experienced last year in, in Britain. Uh, she lives in the UK, and she decided to play uh, one of the online lottery games in Britain. And so she got an alert on her lottery account that she chose the winning numbers for their lottery game, and that she would win about $180 million if you were to convert from their system from pounds to dollars. $180 million as this college student. She got so excited. She called her mom. She called her boyfriend. They got together and they started just dreaming up and brainstorming how they would use $180 million. But here's the thing. When she called into the lottery company, they told her, oh, there was a glitch. She should have received a notification in her account that although she chose the winning numbers, she didn't have enough money in her account. So she couldn't afford the winning ticket, so she was disqualified. She chose the winning ticket, but didn't have enough money. And so she saw $180 million slip through her fingers because of that one mistake. Even in our own lives, right? We, we, we've seen things in our own lives that we thought we had, but it slipped through our fingers. It's kind of like fishing, right? If you got a fish to bite and you're really in that fish, you start seeing it appear above the water and then all of a sudden, snap, the line breaks and that fish is, is gone. Or maybe in the workplace where we're looking forward to this promotion, this new position that we're about to get and right at the last minute, our company hires somebody else and they end up getting that position that we deserve. It looked secure at the moment, but we lost it at the end. Or maybe we've experienced uh, a loved one where uh, the doctors told us, you know, they're going to be okay. They're going to recover from that illness. And then they suddenly pass away. There are so many things, right, in our lives that can seem secure at the time but slip through our fingers. Maybe we feel that way in our relationship with Jesus where some of us might feel nervous where we think, gosh, like, will I continue to be faithful to Jesus throughout my life? Maybe we're dealing with some struggles or temptations in our life right now, and we think, 
as we read through Revelation and read about these turbulent times, gosh, I don't know if I'm going to continue following Jesus the way that I'm doing now. Maybe some of us are doing great. We feel like we're close to God. But in the back of our mind, we think, well, what if I mess up really bad in a couple years? Will God still love me and accept me? If you're feeling insecure this morning, this chapter is for you. It's for all of us as we look into Revelation chapter 7. Last week, we read about God's just judgments upon a world that's turned its back upon him, and they were experiencing God's righteous judgment. And chapter 6 ends with a question that left us hanging. The question is, who is able to stand? Who is able to endure the wrath of the Lamb? And who is able to stand before the throne of God? Chapter 7 is going to answer that question. Let's dive right in. Verse 1. It reads, After this I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, restraining the four winds of the earth, so that no wind could blow on the earth, or on the sea, or on any tree. Then I saw another angel rising up from the east, who had the seal of the living God. He cried out in a loud voice to the four angels who were allowed to harm the earth and the sea, don't harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we seal the servants of our God on their foreheads. And I heard the number of the seal, 144,000 sealed from every tribe of the Israelites. And he goes to the list. 12,000, Judah, Reuben, Gad, Asher, Naphtali, Manasseh, Simeon, Levi, Issachar, Zebulun, Joseph, and finally, 12,000 sealed from the tribe of Benjamin. So John is describing uh, through symbols and numbers and pictures what's happening in heaven and on the earth. And John learns that before the judgment of God falls upon the earth, God's servants are sealed on their foreheads. In other words, those who are sealed are secure in God and do not experience the wrath of the Lamb and are able to stand before God. A seal in those times, as we've been learning in Revelation, right, is an identifying mark that you'd place on a letter to show that that was from you. But it also used seals in ancient times to put on your possessions. So if you wanted to show that you own something, you would put your seal you know, on, that, on that cattle or that possession that you have that, to show that hands off, that is, that is mine. Kind of like the way you would write your name on a plate lunch and put it in your fridge so no one else eats it. You know, my, um, my kids started uh, writing their names on, on their food when they put it in the fridge because they realized that it would mysteriously vanish in the middle of the night because uh, I'd eat it. Right? But, but we would write, right? we would, we would write our, our names in order to identify this is ours. And so God here right, has sealed his people showing that they are his treasured possession and will not be harmed by the wrath of the Lamb. Now, this doesn't mean that Christians won't face persecution or suffering, right? Some will even be put to death for their faith in Jesus, but their eternity and life with God is protected. No one can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ. The victory over sin and death has been secured because of the seal. Right, again, this is probably not a physical mark. It's not like God's taking a Sharpie and writing his name on our foreheads. But this seems to be symbolic and a reference to the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul helps us here. Three times in the New Testament, in his letters, he writes about the seal. 
And every reference to the seal that Paul uses, it's a reference to the Holy Spirit. So to be sealed means to be, have the Holy Spirit living in us. So then who are the 40, 144,000 servants of God? We can read it literally and read it as 144,000 ethnic Jews from specific tribes. You know, throughout the Bible, there are different lists of the tribes where some tribes are left out, some tribes are uh, included. Um, but if we're reading the book of Revelation, we see that there's a lot of symbolism and how numbers can represent things like seven being the number of completion. Then this number of 144,000 also seems to be symbolic. Scholar Tom Schreiner writes this. He, he writes, but the number 12 should give us pause because it has symbolic significance since Israel consisted of 12 tribes and Jesus appointed 12 apostles. The 12 tribes of Israel represented the people of God in the Old Testament. The 12 apostles in the New Testament seem to represent the people of God, the new people of God in the New Testament and beyond. Schreiner continues, when we add to this the apocalyptic character of the book of Revelation and its characteristic use of numbers, we have good reason to think the number is symbolic. Our suspicion that the number is symbolic increases when we recognize that the number 144,000 is 12 times 12 times 1,000. Right, you didn't know you'd get in a math lesson today, huh? Right, so in, in other words, the 144,000 seem to represent all the people of God, right? Because all of God's people, we are all sealed by the Holy Spirit, right? If you are a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives within you and you are sealed and secure. All of God's people are secure. Our victory has been won by Jesus. We're secure right? from sin, Satan, and death. Then John sees another scene. He switches to another scene like a like a trailer to a movie. He goes to another scene. Let's look at verse 9. After this, a new scene, I looked, and there was a vast multitude from every nation, tribe, people, and language, which no one could number, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes and palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels stood around the throne along with the elders and the four living creatures. They fell face down before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders asked me, Who are these people in white robes? And where did they come from? I said to him, Sir, you know. Then he told me, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. So John sees a multitude of people from every nation standing before God. They're dressed in white, holding palm branches, right, celebrating the victory of the Lamb. Right, but who, who is this group? And John finds out, right, from the elder that this is a group coming out of and it's using the word the, not a, the great tribulation, which seems to be referring to a future set time right before Jesus returns. This group of believers, right, seem to be living in that future set time, the great tribulation, before Jesus returns. That word tribulation, it's a word that means great pressure. Great pressure. 
One way to think about it is, um, right, in school when you learned about uh, earthquakes and tectonic plates, right, if you're living in Hawaii, right, if you live in Hawaii, right, you, you definitely learned this in elementary school because you live in the Pacific Ocean. Right, where we learn about tectonic plates, where they're always shifting. And when two plates come together, they exert massive pressure against one another. And when they collide, that's when earthquakes can happen. That word tribulation is that word of, of, of great pressure. Two things pressing upon one another. The kingdom of God invading the kingdom of darkness. See, when Jesus came to earth as a human being, right? It wasn't, oh, silent night, nice and quiet. It was wild because the kingdom of God was invading the kingdom of darkness. And that's why, right, Jesus was, baby Jesus was, was uh, being pursued and to try, to try to be killed, right? Because the kingdom of light was invading. There was great pressure. In John's day, there was great tribulation where the, the, the churches were experiencing great pressure from the Roman Empire to worship the emperor as God. They're facing pressure to worship the Greek and the Roman gods and to fit into their beliefs and to compromise their faith in Jesus. Even us in this day right, can face great pressure from the kingdom of darkness to compromise our faith in Jesus. And then in the future, this future group will experience the great tribulation. But here's what we can be encouraged by, that even though we are to expect suffering, we're to expect persecution. It's been going on all throughout the church. We have confidence and we know that we are secure. We have been sealed. And so we have victory over sin, Satan, and death, even through the suffering that we experience. And it, it can be easy to, to, to think, well, well, you know, we're victorious and we're secure because we're so holy or we're so uh, moral or we can endure anything that's coming our way. That's why, that's why we have victory. That's why we can be secure. But the elder makes it clear why we're secure. It's because of Jesus. Looking back at the text, he says in verse 14, they washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. The reason that they're secure and standing before God in heaven, it's not because they're immoral. It's not because they were doing a bunch of good deeds. It's because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, the forgiveness, the freedom and redemption and the empowerment that Jesus gives. Maybe this morning it's your first time at Harbor Church or you've been coming for a while and maybe you've been thinking that, okay, the way to be accepted by God, the way to make it through life and to enter into heaven is just to be really strong, really good, really moral. Don't do any really bad things. Try to be a good husband, wife, family member, sibling. Try to do good in school. Try to be a good worker, good citizen. Just be good, and God will let you in. But here we learn that there's only one way to stand before God. It's our robes being washed in the blood of the Lamb. It's through faith in Jesus' sacrifice on our behalf. And then John goes on to say what we have to look forward to in heaven. Let's read verse 15. For this reason, they are before the throne of God, and they serve him day and night in his temple, the one seated on the throne will shelter them. They will no longer hunger. They will no longer thirst. The sun will no longer strike them, nor will any scorching heat. For the lamb who is at the center of the throne will shepherd them. He will guide them to springs of waters of life, and God will wipe away every tear from their 
eyes. Right? This is describing the people coming out of the great tribulation. But really, these promises are for all of God's people throughout history. So here's what we have to look forward to, that we'll experience, as Jesus as our shepherd, we'll experience his protection. He will shelter us from the scorching sun and the heat. Right? So things like natural disasters, diseases, wars, pandemics, violence, uh, volcanoes that could erupt, as we're reading about at the big, on the Big Island. Right? Anything right, uh, that we see as a, a danger or that we feel is a threat to our lives and to our love, it, it's gone. It's no longer there. We'll experience heavenly satisfaction. We'll no longer struggle with being content in life, but Jesus will fill every hunger and every thirst like we've never experienced in this life. We'll experience Jesus' comfort. He will wipe away every tear. Right? The pain that we felt when we lost a loved one and we continue to feel, the pain of broken marriages, broken families, a lost friendship, the tears that we've shed uh, for physical pain that we've experienced, emotional pain, mental illness, the pain and tears we've shed from abuse, disease, every tear we've shed for our failures, our disappointments, the shame that we brought upon ourselves or upon our family, all of these things will be wiped away in the comfort of Jesus. See, right now, we, we do experience Jesus' comfort. We experience his protection and we experience his satisfaction. We do right now. But we do still live in a broken world. We still live in a world that has suffering and pain. We're still dealing with sin in our own lives. And the people around us are still dealing with sin, and we feel the effects of them too. So what we have to look forward to in the future is unlike anything we're experiencing right now. And that means the best is yet to come. And that's what Jesus secured for us. So because we have all these good news to look forward to, how should that change the way we live right now? Because we're secure in God. Well, let me encourage us two ways how we can live right now because of what we just read. The first is this, that we can live confidently because our future is secure. We can live confidently. One way that looks like is to live confidently among other people, with other people. See, because we're children of God, fully accepted and sealed, we don't have to fear and be anxious over being loved and accepted by others. A lot of times we can feel anxiety and fear because we want so bad other people to accept us. We may fear being rejected by that coworker, by that friend or family member or neighbor, that person in our life, that we've been getting really anxious because we want so badly for them to say that they approve of us. Maybe we feel the crushing weight of expectation, where there are people in our lives putting expectations on us, and it's, and it's almost like every expectation is like you're swimming in the ocean, and, and every expectation is like a weight that they tie on you, and you sink deeper and deeper, trying to fill those expectations. And the good news is, because we are fully accepted by God, that we are sealed, right, we don't have to prove ourselves. We don't have to prove ourselves. We don't have to live under the expectations of other people. We're free from that. And we can live and love others freely. 
we no longer have to feel insecure. So today, if you're feeling anxious, remember that, that he values us. He numbers us. I think that's why, uh, you know, one of the reasons why we see that, that God right, gives this number, 144,000, it's to remind us that, that every single person matters, right? Because we count things that we value, like our bank account. We'll look at it. We'll count it, make sure nothing was illegally taken out of it right? because we value it, right? If you have a, a, a larger family, right, and you're going on a trip, you'll count every single kid to make sure they're on the airplane and they're not left behind because you value every single one of those family members, right? We count what we value. And I think one of the reasons why, right, God numbers his people is to show that every single one of us matters. So if you're feeling anxious this morning, if you're fighting to be accepted by other people and living under that expectation, trying to prove yourself, rest. Because you are fully accepted by God. We can live confidently before other people. But we can also live confidently before God. Before God, that he is not going to kick us out of his family. He's not going to let us go. Maybe some of us fear that, that maybe right now we're doing okay, but we're, we're afraid that somehow down the line, right, we'll walk away from Jesus. Some, some, some way, you know, um, that down the line will mess up big time and God will say, ah, you're out of my family. No longer want you because you messed up. No, because we have been sealed by the Spirit, we are secure in his family because he holds on to us. He holds on to us. I have a preschool son, and uh, when we walk down a busy street, um, I, I, I often, you know, tell him, you know, be careful. There's cars on the road, right? Stay by dad. And I'm holding his hand. And the thing is, if his safety is based upon how well he can hold my hand, that's not good. Because all it takes is a bird to fly in the middle of the road, and he's, he's going after it, right? So if his security is based upon the tightness of his grip, uh-oh. But it's not. His security is based upon the tightness of my grip, and I'm not going to let him go. Right? Jesus said in the Gospel of John right, that no one can snatch us out of his hands. He holds us tightly. It's not how hard we hold on to him that determines whether or not right, we make it. It's how tightly he's holding on to us, and he's not going to let us go. And that frees us to serve God, not to try to stay in his family because we're already in, but it frees us to serve God because we are in it. And so we serve him freely without fear. So live confidently before others and live confidently before God. And then second, praise God passionately. Back in verse 10, that's what we see um, God's people doing. Verse 10 says, And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who's seated on the throne, and to the Lamb. Here, this group of God's people are, 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 are singing loudly. They're crying out because they have been saved by Jesus. See, when, when our hearts have been captured by the grace of God, by the love of God through Jesus, when, we, when it hits home that Jesus died for us so that we can be numbered as a part of his family, we cannot help but praise him from the loudest of us to the quietest and shyest of us. It affects all of our hearts. One of my previous uh, neighbors was one of the quietest guys where the times I would see him um, outside on the street, he'd say hi, but be very quiet and shy and then go back into his house. And one Sunday morning, as I was getting ready to go to church, I heard this loud scream. Ah! I was like, oh, my neighbor's getting burglarized or something's wrong. 
I did, that doesn't sound right. He's quiet. But then I th- stopped and I thought about it. Okay, that wasn't a, scry, uh, a cry of, of fear. That was a cry of joy. And I remembered, oh, football season started. Somebody scored a touchdown or something, right? So even this quiet guy, wait, whatever captures our hearts, right, we're going to get passionate for. When we experience the love of Jesus, when we experience his forgiveness, his acceptance to the cross, we cannot help right, but burst in praise. And we're going to get an opportunity to do that through singing in a little while. So I, I want to encourage us this week. Like, let's live confidently in the acceptance of God that has been won through Jesus. Let's go ahead and pray together. Father, we thank you for your one and only son who came and lived the perfect life that we could never live on our behalf, and who died the death that we deserve for our sins on the cross, who rose again to give us a new life in him, empowered by the Holy Spirit, sealed and secure. And so we pray that we would live from that security, confidently, joyfully, looking forward to the hope that we have with you. And we ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.